0: If you want to go further and add some fun and versatility into your hunting program, check out Can-Am's Defender. Pretty soon I'm headed to my buddy Doug's, and we're going to be running around in Doug's Can-Am because it's like, it's fun. You can get around quietly, easily, all over his property. It's just versatile. Oh, I love it. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online and get serious about backcountry travel, visit canamoffroad.com turn something that you kind of dread driving around into something you love visit canamoffroad.com in every pair of tacova's boots you can expect handmade quality first wear comfort and timeless western style tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers and with occasional resoling they're going to last you a lifetime the best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile and lots of help. You got to go visit Tacova's. You go to tacova's.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. less hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play store. Know where you stand with OnX. What you're about to hear is a visit. Me, the Latvian Eagle, Spencer Newharse, the flip-flop Flesher, our beloved producer Corinne Schneider, visiting a man in Three Forks, Montana known as the Antler Man. He has a collection of 16,000 antlers arranged in a barn with an artist's eye for symmetry and design combined with a genius sense for what's weird and interesting. The guy has never bought an antler. He found most of the stuff in the collection himself or traded antlers that he found for peculiar oddities that others had that he just had to have for his own walking into the door literally changed my life it changed how i think about art obsession big bucks wildlife and compulsion so come along with us walk into jim's horn house in three forks montana get your life changed Who runs this whole garden program here?
1: I day, do the weeding and like watering and told not to whine.
0: This is beautiful. Wow. That's a raspberry patcher. or?
2: Yeah, he's not gonna have any raspberries. And, and no fence, you don't have deer come in here have at
1: it? We try to share,
2: <laughs> <laughs> seriously.
1: In the garden, I try to raise enough for the rabbits that are, come in and if the deer come in, they, and they really don't, if they can select, They don't bother much.
0: Jim, do you have a hunting background?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was born and raised.
0: Because that's how you got interested in antlers is hunting, right? I mean, most people, that's how it goes. No, I
1: got interested in antlers out of boredom.
0: (laughs) 16,000. I'm counting. Were you shed hunting this year, or you retired from shed hunting?
1: Oh, Lord, no. This year I had some problems with my feet, and I didn't get out near as much as I wanted to. But, yeah, I was out. But I'm the last guy out. I don't go in the snow, and I don't go in the cold.
0: Because why? Because I don't like the snow, and I don't like the
1: cold. (laughs) And I'm afraid if there's snow on the ground, I'm going to miss something. Yeah. And I realize— So you're not
0: out there chasing elk around with one antler trying to get them to knock the other one off? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do do that?
1: No, but I've
0: I've heard heard about about that.
1: that. I don't go to the game ranges. Uh, That's not what it is for me. And when I was in high school, I had a friend, and him and I would do a little bit together. And then my brother and I went one time, and we had to go to Colorado, because he didn't want to show me where his births were in Montana, and I didn't want to show him where my spots were. So we went to Colorado and shed hunted for a week. He collected antlers for, he made a living out of it three years. But if he found anything odd, or he'd keep it to the side, and then for my birthday, or. Christmas, he'd give me an odd antler that he picked up, mm-hmm. and then I sold the ones to help put my daughters through college. Yeah, I was I, reading
0: about that. You sold two thousand antlers to put your kids through college.
1: Fifteen hundred deer and probably around seven hundred elk for sheds you know, huh. to help them. How old are you now? Seven. I'll be seventy-two in July.
0: Looking good for seventy-two, man.
1: Not as good as I'd like to.
0: Really. <laughs> What line of work were you in? You know, I was a, as a professional or a career I was
1: person. A, I was a plant control operator. I sat in front of a. Well, years ago I sat in front of a huge panel that had all the directions of where the talc was ground and all that stuff. I got you. And then the last 20 years I spent sitting in front of a screen and did the same thing. So no, I didn't do anything too physical.
0: Yeah, built up a lot of energy sitting there.
1: Well, not only that, I worked shift work, which uh, which was wonderful. I worked straight graveyard for two years, and then I'd and I'd get off at eight o'clock in the morning, and I'd drive out on the hills and go shed hunting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue our tour.
1: We can go in the horn shed if you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Back this way. Yeah. The- Called the horn shed.
1: Well, I can explain that. I had uh, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, uh, he was an alcoholic and he finally died of alcoholism, but he made me a sign to hang on the door of the shed and you'll see it when you go in. This said horn shed. And personally, I think the sign is tacky mm-hmm. and I think the name is tacky. But my I don't think it's tacky. My brother-in-law made it for me, so it's up.
0: What did he drink?
1: Hard liquor. Hard liquor. I don't drink.
2: Never had. Never smoked. Never chewed. Oh, Horn House. I remember when those photos were in Beagle Magazine. Yeah. Man,
0: it's really something. i a lucky. Never seen lucky that. Lucky moment,
2: yeah. you know. I mean, for a photographer. Th- but they both fell off.
0: What we're looking at for, uh, there's a photo, it's like a, it's three photos, a, a sequence of photos. And there's, in one photo, there's two bull elk crossing from right to left what are they like they're like mature bulls and then one of the bulls there's an image a photograph right
1: yeah yeah that's it because i remember
0: yeah yeah anyways there's a photograph where its antlers fall off simultaneously and both of them are caught mid-air falling off of his head one they're, they're so close together that one's like passing past his right eye and one's passing, passes left jaw. And then the final photo is the, the antlered bull standing there next to these two sheds laying on the ground.
2: If I remember correctly, didn't, I think the photographer said that the bull actually spun a 360 to shake him off. So, oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Cause he's in kind of a weird position, like, uh, like he's, you know, wanting to do it.
1: I've seen a whitetail pick up a hind leg and kick an antler off once. No, really? That's the only time I've ever. And his other one, didn't. he didn't seem to worry about the other one.
3: Have you ever found a shed in your yard here
4: from one of
1: the golf <laughs> course deer? Two. Two. I've got a picture of the buck with his horns, and I got a picture of the buck after he shed, and then it dawned on me, they might be out in my yard and they <laughs> out here by the pond. Because he was just a little point on 3.1 side and a weird horn on the other.
0: Did you keep him in a special place?
1: I've got those in the
0: house. Those don't even go into the antler house.
1: No. <laughs> All you gotta do is to So do you, do you
0: have, uh, do you have hours? Like do people just come off the street to come here?
1: Since it's been on the internet, I get a lot from Atlas Obscuria. Great big story. And they'll call ahead of time or email. I mean, I've got people telling me they're gonna come in August. And I said, she, she's just kind of give me a notice three or four days ahead and I'll <laughs> see if I'm going to be home. <laughs> but of course this year, I'm sure I'm not going to get as many. So you don't I'm have like a sign
0: service. that says, come on, come on. Oh, Christ, no. And then when people come, it's not like an admission charge.
1: No, I've never. The only thing I promote is my books. a Collection of short stories, walking the trail system here. I walked at six miles this morning. All profits go to the Headwaters Trail System. What I did was write short stories about walking the trail, and there's everything in here from a serial killer that was our landlord to the, the Big Sky with the mountain men with yep. you know, the 59 earthquake that we were almost in, and but just there's a lot of stories.
0: And you you wrote this, published it, and sell these to raise money for the trail. The trail.
1: And I've almost got enough for a third book.
0: What do you mean, you almost not got short, enough? Not materials.
1: Yeah, for a third book. You might find yourself in one of them stories.
0: Alright, so can we go into the horn house?
1: Well, you can open the door. All you gotta do is push on it. The lights are on. <laughs> Holy cow! Oh my God!
0: <laughs> Holy shit, really?
2: Wow. That is
0: incredible. <laughs> wow,
2: I, I mean like you've seen the pictures, you're not prepared. No. That is unbelievable. I actually thought it would take more space to, to house 16,000 Look antlers. how
0: densely packed these things are.
1: Man. But these are all fresh yeah, well, obviously This is
2: incredible.
0: Do... You know what
3: I didn't expect is like the smell. It's like a really satisfying antler smell. Seriously? <laughs> No, I think so.
0: This is unbelievable.
5: Hey, Phil the engineer here. You have to see this room for yourselves. Go to Jim's own gallery on his website at antlerman.com, the Meat Eater Instagram account, Steve's Instagram account where he posted a walkthrough video, and the Meat Eater Facebook page.
0: I'm at a, Help me out. <laughs> I'm at a loss. Of, we, it, we walked into a barn. What's the, what are the dimensions of this place?
1: Uh, it's 30 by six, 64 by 30. 64 long, 30 wide.
0: Okay, so there's a center island, runs the length of the barn, and it is encased. How long is this center island? 40-some feet long. Uh, encased in antlers. And then the whole periphery around it is like a, a bench runs around the whole room, also encased in antlers with a lot of like nice specimens put out for display. And then the walls ceilings, beams. <laughs> but it's not like randomly thrown in. It's it's uh like with a tremendous sense of balance in design and style and, and just a sort of uh real native sense of aesthetic alignment. And there's anything like this. Do so you got a
1: sprinkler system in here and stuff? Uh, no, well, I don't have it insured or any of that crap. <laughs> <laughs> We tore down an old uh, grocery store uptown, and then we tore down an old hotel at Trident. But this is the flooring out of the buildings, uh, the walls, this wood is out of those buildings, and they're all 16 foot long, and uh, the wall's double thick. Besides, the 2 befores on the other side are a foot apart. That way I could put antlers anywhere I wanted to
3: and you built the shed for this purpose?
1: Yeah, that's a long story too. My wife started out wanting to remodel the kitchen and I got a garage and she wanted to do the windows in the house over again. And I said, I've never had a nice horn shed. And so it started out from remodeling the kitchen.
3: So how many did you have when you built it? Like how many do you have now?
1: Oh, uh, when I built it, I probably had 13, 14,000.
0: What year did you build this thing?
1: I mean, I keep a record. This building's probably 16 years old, maybe 17 years old. So yeah, I probably only had about 12,000.
0: And you don't don't buy antlers?
1: That's the difference between my collection and anybody else's. And that's what makes it unique. And that's why I've been married for 52 years. (laughs) That's why you've been married? Yeah, because I've never spent any money on horns or I probably wouldn't be.
0: Oh, I'm with you.
1: But I've never bought a horn. I've, trade, I've sold antlers, and I've traded antler pound for pound to get some of the weird stuff, but I've never bought an antler. Anybody can have a shed full of horns, all you need is enough money. And I've been to the auction in Jackson Hole, and there's people that have that kind of money.
0: And they bought their shed full of...
1: And they, bought, they buy their antlers, but I've never bought an antler. Uh, I usually start people out over here. Wait, well, uh, real quick, what happened to this guy? I have no idea.
0: It looks like it grew around a. Yeah. Grew around a something. Now,
1: this bull, I know what happened to him. Just a regular six point, but it hung itself. He was feeding around the edge of a cliff, and there must have been a little bit of green grass coming up. And he was feeding on that, and he got. He slipped, and when he slipped, his front legs caught in a crevice like this, and his hind legs were about that far from reaching the ground. And the coyotes ate him from the bottom up. And that's how I find Of course, I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that, so I didn't.
0: You weren't able to document it. No. How many of these animals were killed by hunters and how many were, you know, I mean, I know the sheds are sheds, but I mean the ones that are the complete skulls and stuff. Is it mostly stuff you found dead?
1: No. uh, Back in the 70s and early 80s, we had a dump ground route during hunting season.
0: A dump ground?
1: Route, yeah. We'd go to... uh, Whitehall, Silver Star, Sheridan, Alter, over the hill to Ennis, down to Harrison, over to Pony, and back to Three Forks. And people just throw the antlers away. And that's where I'd pick up the.
0: Just go to community dumps?
1: Um, yeah. Besides, find them up in the hills. And like I said, some of them I've traded for over the years.
3: I wanna ask some bad questions, like the kind of questions that every person who comes here and asks you. Go
1: ahead. That you've
3: probably heard. Like, what's your favorite, what's your biggest, and what's your smallest?
1: Okay, here's my favorite. I carry it with me 24-7.
0: <laughs> it's in your pocket?
1: That's a shed antler. Huh.
0: So that answers two questions, smallest <laughs> favorite. Why do you like that one
1: the most? Because it's small. And I can put it on my keychain, okay, and it's a shed. And if you're peeing in the bushes, you can find one of them. That's I how found I them. found that one.
0: It's been worn smooth by time, man. I
1: put yeah, just being in my pocket. So it's not the biggest, or I mean, I've got huge elks here. This is a shed set.
0: I was reading an article where you were saying that you can't appreciate how big some of the antlers are because they're on a giant wall full of a bunch of antlers.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't realize how big.
0: No, then you got you got to actually look at them.
1: Some of these mule deer sets are. And I've only got one in the whole place that makes a Boone and Crockett. And I don't measure anything, but I happen to measure that one because it's the biggest one I have. Which one are you talking about? It's down the line. There's one like up there, it's got the bullet hole.
4: Yeah.
1: Bullets probably still in it. This one I rescued, a guy out of town here calling me up and he says, I got a big set of Elkhorns out there and if you want them, you can have them, but you better come and get them because my kids are cutting the points off for knife handles." They cut the one off the back there. They cut the top off that one. And they'd almost cut through this one. And they beat on the skull with an axe. Oh, you don't? I did rescue it. (laughs) This one I found. And this one I found in the same area a week later.
3: Have you ever found a velvet shed?
1: Uh, Down the line.
0: Hold on. So you you didn't do the biggest. What's the biggest? We're getting there. Oh. Favorite and smallest are the keychain.
1: <laughs> these are Dude, all...
0: These giant mule deer sheds. I mean, you just got to, like, look. You can't really help, but you got to, like, pick one up to look at it, or else it just gets lost in the yeah, crowd. Yeah, I
2: guess touching and, and picking them up is okay here. Boy, hell yeah, yes. Now, what can, <laughs> do you know...
1: Do you most know, guys r- would be satisfied with that. It's a fairly decent four-point buck.
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. You put it next to something like this, then you can appreciate how big these are.
2: And these are all big oh, are or have,
1: giants. Or have uh, lots of points. Oh,
2: do you know roughly what percentage by species is broken down in here? I know exactly how many
1: whitetail I have that are three points with a brow point and how many are four points. I know exactly how many mule deer I have, but same way. Oh, man. And whether they're big or freak or what. But
0: Do most of these, do you remember them? Look at that, did you find that?
1: Yep, yeah, that, and this is his other, <laughs> this is his.
4: Oh, oh it's kidding. a match.
1: No. Oh no, one year. That's the wow. same year, but I do have his shed sets over here.
3: What's the most consecutive years that you've picked up the same box antlers?
1: It's down the line here. Hold on, so you think this, 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 <laughs> the, this, is, the same, this is the same deer? It's <laughs> just yeah. early, yeah, early, early Spencer. Spencer. <laughs> They were found within 100 yards of one another.
0: I bet you everybody tells you this. I'm just gonna tell you that you, like, not for the show or anything, I think you are making a huge mistake to not have a sprinkler system and an alarm system and shit.
1: That's the other thing. People ask me, what's gonna to happen to all this when you die? I don't give a shit, I'll be dead.
4: <laughs>
1: I mean, seriously.
0: I hope you change your mind, man.
1: Um, uh, don't worry, Mike. My- the only thing I've told my daughters, I hope they don't turn into chandeliers and dog chews and soul shakers.
0: <laughs> this is a cool find here, yeah. That'd be the devil time. Five. So he'd been laying for a long time.
1: He's laying in my freaking brother's flower bed until I talked him out of it for about ten years. He said, A friend give me that, and I told him I wouldn't give it away. Finally give it to me.
0: Besides going to the right spot okay is there a thing that you think makes a good antler hunter besides the area like are you seeing the ground in a way that you, do you feel that you're seeing things that all the people are walking past
1: okay I looked you up a little bit okay you've got this 80 20 theory yeah okay I'm a 20.
0: Oh, I'm trying to think about what my 80 20 theory is
1: 80 20 on where to look for sheds
0: no, that's not that's me. That's Mark Kenyon. That's Mark Kenyon. But oh, that one was. One of his, our guys. What's yeah. in your. Yep, no, yep, yep, yep,
3: yep.
1: Okay. And uh,
3: the 80 20 thing is that 80% of the sheds are found on 20% of the earth.
1: Right? I understand how okay. that works.
3: I was <laughs> <just> telling our <laughs> podcast people.
0: Oh, yeah, he's talking to that microphone, not you. <laughs> all right, so yeah, Mark Kenyon, who likes to shed. He likes to shed. I'm an incidental shed hunter. I pick them up when I'm doing all this stuff.
1: I was, Yeah, I mean, I but, during hunting season, I usually don't get to shoot anything because I'm packing too many freaking horns.
0: Beso- let's say you had three things. You had the, the sort of meta area, right, like the region, like such and such valley, okay, the meta area. Then you had the sort of micro area, meaning that hillside or that brush patch. But once you're in the micro area, the, like the specific search area, do you feel that there's something that sets you apart with how you look at the ground? Like, do you see things that you feel that a hundred people have looked at, but they didn't notice?
1: Two years ago, I was walking into an area that I look for sheds on, and I'm walking in on the trail. Mm -hmm. And hunters go in there back and forth. Uh, I'd been through it the year before, coming out. This time, I happened to go up a little bit above the trail, like from here across to that. And I'm walking along, and I look down, and there's this huge, Six-point Elkhorn from last year. It's laying tines down in the sagebrush. All these people had walked within 10 feet of it and never saw it.
0: Because it looked like a sagebrush log. It looked like a, like a branch of a sagebrush because the Until tines it turned were down.
1: white. I mean, it was a huge six-point Yeah. Just happened to be laying. Uh, I had another incident not too many years ago. I'm walking another game trail and I'm walking along And I see these two little shed two points. And I'd been in through on this trail probably over 25, 30 times over the years. And this little buck had shed his horns, and I thought, well, that's cool. So I reached down to pick him up. Here's this huge seven-point deer horn that would probably been laying there for 40 years, tines up in that sagebrush that I'd walked from me to you by and had never seen. I mean, yeah. And the other thing is, I wouldn't have a, some of the freaks and some of the sets I do, but I've went into areas and I know hell. There's been four or five guys ahead of me, but I'll will crawl down into a hole or a brush patch or down into a canyon, and I might find an old buck or an old bull that's that's died. I'll go over and hunt the north sides on certain ty- winters because if it's a light snowfall and uh, they shed late, they're going to be on that side to stay cool. I mean. To me, it makes a lot of difference in the weather. So, like I said, by the time I go, all the south slopes and tops of ridges have been covered.
0: So talking about like seeing things that you've looked at a hundred times. I got a friend out in Mile City who was a coyote hunter. He says his whole life, he's been sitting against this same rock wall in this little kind of an indent in the rock wall, calling coyotes. He comes in, he kind of backs in and sits down calls Kyle's and Leeds his whole life. He said one day he realized he got too old and he couldn't rise up like he normally does. So he had to spin around to put his hand to climb up the other way and spins around. There's an Ice Age Folsom point. Huh. He said, I've been sitting on that thing for 40 <laughs> years. <laughs> and I never had to stick my face back in there to look.
1: Those are, those are some of the things that happen. And what I find now that I'm older is I move slower. So I see more.
0: Yeah.
1: You can explain that to me and feel them. They're really light.
0: Huh. Oh, yeah, look at that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot lighter than you would think they would. So I'm thinking he was in the velvet.
0: It never got. Something
1: happened and they just kind of drooped and then they hardened up.
0: Yeah, it's like we're holding an antler, a deer antler that looks like it looks, you know, it's kind of like a, what would have been a three point, you know, six point buck Eastern count but it looks like it just kind of one day melted. Started to melt and then stopped melting and, and when you pick it up, it's really weirdly light. Like it doesn't have the density. Yeah, you know, it's like the tips melted away.
1: This is the same buck five years on one side, three years on the other. Same buck five years on one side, four years on the other.
0: Wow. So you found the same buck shed five years in a row. Look at them, man. Yeah. How close were they to each other?
1: They were in the same general area.
0: Did you find multiple ones, and that got you started? Or did you find one one year, find one the next year, find one the next year? Pretty much. Yeah. Just kept going back. Yeah.
3: He surprisingly like didn't grow as much as you'd expect for like looking
0: at a bucks five yeah. years worth of. No, you yeah, expect them to grow like just like this exponential growth year yeah. to year, but this thing is very similar. If you
1: look at that one on the back that has that little yep. point down at the bottom. Oh yeah. That's four years in a row, and he started getting big towards the end. Huh. This buck here, three years on one, three years on both sides. He stayed virtually. This is a little bigger, but virtually the same. Yeah,
0: did not change much.
6: That's. I mean, it's incredible that you have like an intimacy with a single animal. Here yeah.
1: Oh, we got such a long period of time. And then a lot of people say, "Well, how do you know?" And I can tell just by looking at him. I mean, it's obvious to me. And then this is genetics. I found these on a ridge, two point, four point. Same ridge, I found his sheds from the year before. No. Two point, four point. On the same ridge, I found these. Holy cow. These are shed the same year these are. That's his offspring, two point, four point.
0: Really, all on the same ridge. You can go further with Can-Am. I'm telling you, man, I don't care if you're hunting on a farm, hunting on a ranch, hunting out on public, cruising up and down the beach down in Baja, out in the desert in Sonora where we hunt coos deer. Riding in a Can-Am is just funner than riding a vehicle. Everything about it is better. And you can check these two models out, the Defender. This is the undefeatable workhorse from Can-Am. Because like you, it never quits in the face of the toughest work. And it's got HVAC, which keeps you protected from the elements. And you enjoy the perfect temperature when it's freezing cold or real hot. Heavy-duty Rotax engine with a class-leading 69-pound-feet of torque. And check this out. Up to 2,500 pounds towing capacity. The Outlander 500 or 700. This is an all-capable workhorse. Nothing you can't overcome. HD5, HD7 engines that power through any job. Engineered with the strength, features, and build to never let you down. So you're getting reliability and a quality build ready for any job with 125 accessory options. To find your next can amp or to shop online. Visit canamoffroad.com slash hunting. Hey, you know when you take uh, some time to clean out, uh, let's say like clean out your garage and you're like, man, how was I living like that with that place such a mess? Well, check this out. If you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then you switch over to Mint Mobile and get plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you'll be saying, how was I ever affording to do that way I did it before? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. And you will cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. Again mintmobile.com slash meateater. It's a $45 upfront payment required, which is the equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. You'll get exclusive deals as a member too. Sign up at butcherbox.com/meat eater and get our special deal. Butcherbox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional twenty dollars off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free, and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it, free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com/meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater to choose your free for a year offer, plus $20 off your first order.
1: What question are we up to, or to the moose?
0: That's uh, no, Steve. Oh no, you're still gotta show us the biggest. The biggest.
1: Oh, we haven't got to the biggest yet.
0: <laughs> well, these are all elk that broke their skulls and broke their antlers. And...
1: Snapping off from fighting.
0: How often do you find a drop, or find a shed, Get interested in it. What's the most energy you ever put into finding the match? Like you just knew it had to be somewhere.
1: Three years. And I never <laughs> find the other side. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> three
0: yep, years. Three years.
1: Wow. It's three,
0: like you just wanted to find the other one but couldn't find it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I found a shed. Actually, two years on a moose shed. When I find a shed then I start making a circle, like from me to you, And then I just keep going out, and I just keep going out, and I just keep going out. Sometimes I find more sheds that way.
0: Well, what was the uh, probably a little bit hard to answer? What's the farthest you ever found? The farthest distance that ever separated a matching set,
1: matching set that I knew were matching. I would say on Egan Mountain, probably all three miles. He covered that distance before
0: he dropped his other one.
1: Before he dropped his other one.
0: Oh, and
1: then wow. that bull there, got a thumb on this side. It's not broke. It's flat on the top. And there's a hole about that big around that goes down into a skull.
0: You think that was a hole? No. No?
1: I think that's the way it grew.
0: So one big, nice, thick, heavy, five-point antler and then one thing, like one antler the size of your thumb. With a hole down through it.
3: Oh, if I yeah. pointed out like some more mundane sheds or heads, how confident are you that like you would know the source of it, where you found it, or when?
1: Well, just between you and me, I can make up anything. You're <laughs> not, <laughs> right. You're not gonna be able to know whether I'm telling you the truth or not.
3: <laughs> but how <laughs> how like, how likely do you think you'd actually know though?
1: Well, I mean, in here, under here those are two points as thick as you can stack them on both sides and you can pull <laughs> one of them out and i haven't got a freaking clue
4: where it came from okay
1: but anything that's odd or different uh-huh. or that i associate with a sure. certain day or something sure. yes i can
0: hold on this whole stack is like right ant- or left antler
1: yeah these are all shed sets
0: how many are in there i don't know. like there's hundreds the of them in there
1: yes. yeah those are all brown ones down there and the ones that are a little white here. And actually, if you look at this long enough, this side mirrors that side. You'll find a bull or a buck over there and a similar one oh, really? on this side.
0: And you did all this, setting all this rock into the vertical poured yeah. concrete.
1: Later on in the years, when I'd find an elk that wasn't any good, I'd cut the burr off. And that's where all the burrs came from.
0: Well, so you. That. this whole barn wall is yeah. matched, symmetrical.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of OCD in here.
0: Do you feel like you have like a serious OCD problem? Well, my
1: daughter does. And she's a special ed teacher, so.
0: She thinks you do. <laughs> yeah.
2: How much time do you spend in here now, Jim?
1: I'll come in here once or twice a week. And that's in the winter when there's nobody around. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have guys that come over and go through it just before to Get jacked up, I guess. I don't know.
3: <laughs> Is this like an evolving display? Are you moving things around actively or not?
1: That's further down the line here.
0: Okay. No. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question, and your, your instinct is, to, is going to be to give me a, an answer that doesn't satisfy me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> why? Why? Why?
1: You no, know, that's a million-dollar question.
0: <laughs> is there a why? Like, what is the why? Have you ever thought
1: about it? No. It's a it's an, uh, compulsion, uh, an addiction... Uh, Yeah, all those things.
0: Were you, at what age were you when the people around you...
1: Thought I was weird? Yeah. I was in high school.
0: (laughs) You started being weird in high
1: school. Other, you know, guys were fixing up their fast cars and chasing girls, and I was out in the freaking hills hiking around. And even when I was too young to drive, my mother would take me out here on the edge of town at these foothills right over here where the T is, and drop me off and pick me up at the end of the day. Up the Gallatin, after we went, moved down, and my dad bought some property across from Castle Rock, mm-hmm. and I was 13 then, I think. Uh, they would take me up the canyon and drop me off along the highway, and I'd be gone for the day. And
0: Did you have a thing where you, where you would lay in bed, or wherever you think, and we like, I'm gonna make a thing and it'll, it'll end up looking like this? No. Okay.
1: No. But I can tell you some weird stories about looking for sheds. And I hate to tell them because then people do think you're weird. No, go ahead. I'll be walking through the hills, and I'll just be walking along, looking around, looking around, and I'll stop. And I'll think to myself, I'm missing something here. There's something I'm not seeing. And I'll pause, and I'll look around and stuff, and I'll stay there, and I'll even kind of look around, and I'll find a shed.
0: You get a premonition.
1: I can tell you another one. I'm working graveyard. I'm at work. It's during my break. I kind of doze off. I have this dream. I have this dream that there's this big power pole, and there's these two white, real nice white-tailed sheds by in this power pole. So I don't think anything. I'm. I ride my bike back and forth to work. It's about a mile. <laughs> a year later, I have the same exact dream. That day, I'm leaving work, and I look out in the field, and there's a big power line that goes through the field, and there's a power pole there, and it's in a dip. And I walk over there, and there's two white tails. Shit, okay. I really? That story. Yeah, that's no shit.
0: <laughs> you had the dream twice.
1: Yeah, the dream, a year apart. Yeah, I can make it weird. Okay, this doesn't look any different than any of the rest of them.
0: But do, uh, one more question about that. Okay. Does your wife, is she, uh, oh, is she like you. amused by you? Is, she, uh, is it inspiring to her? Is it,
2: you know what I mean? Does she pick up sheds?
1: Mm, when we first got married, she realized that I collected sheds.
2: Because yeah, even she... when
1: I was going to business college and where we met in Boise, I'd go out of Boise and pick up sheds. But once we got married, she thought I went a lot. So she's thinking, man, he might have a girlfriend or something. So she went with me a few times. Just to see? Yeah. He's just that nuts. He doesn't have a girlfriend. So, no, she doesn't go. <laughs> this buck here <laughs> has a three inch p- point out of another buck stuck in the skull.
0: Oh, are you kidding? Snapped me? off. Look at that. Yeah, so it's uh, he's got a, a a skull. Was that found? Was that killed by a hunter or found dead? It was found in a dump. Found in a dump.
1: I never even knew I had it till I put it up here.
0: It's kind of a spindly little buck. He's got five five tines on one side, four on the other, but embedded in his skull is a antler tine, where he got jabbed, poked in, snapped off. Is it in the skull or just tucked under the hide?
2: It's in the skull.
0: Punctured the skull, but didn't kill him.
2: Speaking of getting poked. Um, Why is that bug purple? There's oh, a lot sorry, of sharp don't... things in here. Have you ever sustained an injury from an a shed antler? From me? Falling on antlers?
1: <laughs> I was walking one day and I had a white tail in my hand with a nice brow point and I slipped and fell and fell like that. Jammed that brow tine through <laughs> into my hand. And I've got a lot of scrapes and banged up some, but nothing.
3: It, it. If you did decide to sell all these to people who want to make chandeliers and, and knives and I'd stuff, I'd shoot myself
1: first. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, have you ever
3: figured what that dollar amount would be? No, you, I don't get, care. Don't care. You yeah. don't have any wild guess?
1: I've been very no. I've been extremely fortunate that uh, I've had a I had a steady job for 39 years at a good union wage. My wife was the controller at Trident at the cement plant for 25 years. Uh, and she controlled the money for the plant. And so we had good income. So I, except to put the daughters through college, I've never had to depend on.
3: But wouldn't you like to know if it's like a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars? No. Or,
1: Cause not it's curious. not gonna make any difference. And that's one reason it's not insured because I don't know how they would do that, if they, how they would try to figure the value, I mean Christ in Oh,
0: they got people who are, that's what they do for a living is figure out values of ones, things that don't <laughs> oh, exist. Oh, yeah. What's that, Lloyds of London?
1: Lloyds of London, something like that,
0: They yeah. come out and whatever they do. I'm not saying you need to insure it, man, but I just feel like you need to put a sprinkler system in. <laughs> Now, why is, this little, why is this little pair of uh, spike antlers sitting next to these giant, giant bucks?
1: Just to show people there's a difference.
0: Oh, they wouldn't get, they, they gotta I get mean, this far through the tour and realize there's yeah. a difference.
1: There's, there's, there's a shed set there. <laughs> This one here I found in a dump. If you look at it, these are turned, actually wrong. And then if you look at him here and here, it looks like somebody grabbed it there and there, and just twisted his antler.
0: When you say you used to do that dump loop, so you would drive hundreds of miles
1: just looking for the
0: specific purpose of looking in dumps for through antlers. Scrounging
1: through the dump. Yep, my three daughters can tell you horror stories about being parked at the Alder dump and having a picnic while their dad was down scrounging through the dump looking for antlers. Yes.
3: What other good stuff would you find in the dump besides antlers?
1: No, yeah, antlers were... I found my daughter a pair of shoes one time.
3: Just never know. Does she know that's where they came
1: from? She doesn't know.
3: <laughs> Studies in the Yellowstone show that elk have started holding their antlers longer since wolves were introduced. Have I you noticed that. around here that like elk shed later because they have to use them as weapons against wolves, or haven't you noticed any difference?
4: I,
1: Like I said, I just think it depends a lot on... Nutrition in the winter.
0: Uh Yeah, I have a hard time with what you're you're saying, Spencer, because I feel like it takes thousands of years to drive that kind of evolutionary change, man.
3: I didn't do the study.
0: I'm telling you what. I think it was Montana (laughs) State did. Oh, this is your little study you did. (laughs) (laughs) No. He published it on his blog. (laughs) It's peer-reviewed. It's peer-reviewed because he had his cousin read it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's possible, but. uh...
3: No, my cousin reviewed it. But you haven't noticed. (laughs)
1: No, because wolves aren't a problem around here. I mean, there's a few wolves, but people don't realize how many freaking deer and elk mountain lion kills.
2: That's right. And how many
1: mountain lions there are. I Do gotta, you find a
0: lot of heads that you that were covered up like mountain lion kills?
1: Uh grizzly bears cover mountain lion, hang them up in a freaking tree.
0: You found where mountain lions hung a deer in a tree?
1: Oh yeah. Huh? Yep.
0: This is the biggest.
1: Oh, the heaviest mule deer, probably, yeah.
0: Damn. Some porcupine gnawing on them.
1: Yeah, and they have been laying there a year when I found them. That's something.
0: That is really something.
3: Are you ever stunned where you find, like, a whitetail shed where it shouldn't be, or an elk shed where it shouldn't be?
1: Three years ago, I was uh, not too far out of town, and I was up in some cliffs. And like I said, I'm the last guy there, so... I'm looking everywhere and I get up in these cliffs and I think, you know, the way the winter was, maybe there'll be a big buck that shed his horns up in there. So I'm crawling around in the cliffs to find this great, big, fresh moose horn. Oh yeah. I'm a long ways from anywhere there should be a moose. And I looked for three days and I never found the other side.
0: We've had something similar hunting sheep, doll sheep to find moose shed antlers. So he's up there in the winter, late winter. But you're so far up, like you're up in the glaciers where there's no even willow around. You were like, how in the world? Like, what was he doing? You know, they just go up, 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 up.
1: Yeah.
0: It's hard to picture that he would even, you know, survive.
1: And on whitetail, I mean, I was in high school, There there was never any whitetail in this area. I never saw a whitetail friend of mine up the Madison, shot a whitetail. I think I was a senior. But we never, Whitetails never come in until the 70s
4: mm-hmm. around
1: here.
3: Have you ever seen another shed like this? Or is this the only one? That's cool.
1: That oh, wow. What the hell oh, happened to that? Off. That's cut off a set. That's what I yeah, it's it like
0: for. a buck that. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a, a four
3: Go point ahead, buck. Geez. Describe that, Spencer. A four point buck. Has another four-point bug growing out of its main beam after the G three.
0: You familiar with what a humunculus is? No. <laughs> it's like a little man that lives in your body. <laughs> it's like he's got a. I don't.
3: Know, I don't know how
4: to explain <laughs> that. That's wild. Well,
2: no, they have a term for it in elk when you see that kind of like. Um, what is it? It's, it's almost, it almost looks like flames coming off the back of a bull's antlers. That's sometimes. got a term. Yeah, there's I a, know. There's, what you're about. A, there's yeah. a term for like a whole it.
0: series of like it looks like a moose's brow tine points.
2: Yeah, just yeah, but these that are these are not up. short little bumps. These are no. all three, four inch tines. That seems so rare.
3: There's probably not even a name for it. You could look just look at that. You can just coin the term, whatever I you just want. just make something up. Yeah. It's
6: like a rib cage coming off
0: of it. A- yeah. Do you ever think about doing it? No, I don't think it's smart. I was gonna give you a design tip. <laughs> Where you make a separate building with just the real weird shit in it. So then you come in here and you're like, whoa. And then you go in there and it's all the weird stuff. But that probably wouldn't be a very good idea. I think it would kind of ruin it.
4: i
1: like to mix them up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there you go.
1: Yeah, I bend that.
0: So here we're looking at a bullet. What the hell's he got going on? You yeah. got to do a fence.
1: No, it's a telephone wire.
0: Oh, he's got a phone oh. wire? Oh, I see. Then he shed his antlers yeah. bound yeah. together by the phone wire.
1: But if you look at it. Can I pick this up? Yeah, look at all the places that it's broke. So he got in that and wound and wound and wound. You picture wound that,
0: stuff. So.
1: And f- finally broke free. And then, I mean, the antlers weren't any good. I passed it up a couple of years in a row. What
0: do you mean you passed it up?
1: Well, because the antlers aren't any good.
0: Homie, you saw this and didn't want it?
1: I said I passed it up a couple. And then it dawned on me that, you know, that's kind of neat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How often
3: do you leave sheds lane?
1: <laughs> well, if they're all chewed up, I don't. If I'm fairly close to the truck, I might drag one back and I can But why would we, we, you? How
0: would you see that and not think that that was like. It took me two years <laughs> to occur to you that you liked it?
4: That
1: <laughs> yeah, it was unique. This is a bull that took me two years to find the other side. And I actually saw this bull and he was pure white.
0: And you found the match.
1: And this was oh, his antlers. And
0: it didn't disappoint.
1: And I saw him when he had his antlers. And then I found one and then a the year later I finally found the other side.
6: You've got to be the single person on this planet who has such an intimate relationship (laughs) with with this hundred kind of square mile area. Yep.
1: And I tell everybody probably, oh, I don't know, 80 to 85 percent of my collection come within a hundred mile radius of Three Forks. I've been to Colorado. I've been to the eastern part of the state, a little bit of Idaho, but most of them are around here. And we used to have the giant herds out of the Yellowstone and the Gallatin. Mm-hmm. I never did get over in Town Minor or the Livingston, never did get over there. There was too much around here. Everybody says, oh, you went to the park. I didn't have to go to the park. <laughs> I've been along the edge of the park. came the park. To you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never, I mean, hell, they all come down. And you want to see the biggest.
4: Yes. Oh, finally, Spencer. Holy oh.
0: shit. <laughs>
1: 10 points and 16 pounds.
0: So that's a 10 point, 16 pound.
2: I'm beat up white elk. You can call that a double main beam probably. Yeah. Whoa. 16 pound antler.
1: I mean, I read about these guys that are finding these 20 pound antlers, but I've found over 2000 elk horns and I don't have a one that weighs 20 pounds. 16 hmm. is the biggest. And maybe when it was fresh or something, it might have been...
0: Oh, this is considerably dry, yeah.
1: Yeah. Might have been a pound or two more, but just never have. Man, look at that. And you'd think that a kid would have been smart enough to look for the other side, wouldn't you?
0: <laughs> you found out when you were young?
1: I was just so excited that I ran all the way back to the highway to show my dad when he came to pick me up. <laughs>
0: You ever catch a porcupine eating an antler?
1: I, I've i got a friend that looks for antlers and he shoots every freaking porcupine he to finds. To save the antlers? And I've never. I talk, I went up in the trees, I talked to him. I don't have any animosity. There's enough antlers out there for this. My elbow, <laughs> man.
3: Do you use binoculars when you're shed
1: hunting? No. I do have a, and my brother, He's one of these guys who gets up on a knob and he's just glass and everything. And I don't, I have a spotting scope, a little monocular. If I see something, I'll look at it and see if that's what it is. But I don't glass. I zigzag.
0: You zigzag? I zigzag. How tight's your zig from your zag?
1: It depends on what I'm finding. It can be three feet apart. Or it can be ten.
0: So if you're looking through like a... Ticket or sagebrush or something. You're doing very tight.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, this is probably the most points I have. And this is the one I spent three years looking for the other side.
0: Oh, you never found it?
1: You never found it.
6: How many points is that? I think
1: there's 13 or something. 13, I guess. And I, when I count points, I don't count the brow times.
0: Yeah, but if you just count up the points, I mean... The, why not? I mean, at a point, it's just a, I mean, at a point, it's a point. Yeah. I mean, all this other stuff's a point, that's a point. So you counted that up and didn't count that?
1: That's right. What I would say, that's the 13, <laughs> and what I write is width. If it has a brow tone I put a width, but I don't count the point.
0: Do you have, like...
1: Yeah, you realize that they, like... A- that it's longer than some of these? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
3: You said you write it down. Do you have like this documented somewhere? Like oh, yeah. every antler
0: you have? You do? Yes. Huh. I can
1: show you that. You like, keep a log book? Oh yeah, I keep a journal ever since 1969 of everywhere I've been, what I found that day, what I saw that day. I keep a strict record of like that bunk and this bunk, these are all shed sets.
3: Have local biologists like ever shown interest in no. your stuff?
1: No.
2: I'll turn that journal into a book.
1: Well, then everybody'd know where I go.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess. that's a yeah, you know. good point. Fighting <laughs> times and
0: shed hunter. Yeah. You mentioned a fear that that you would be that, that someone would come look at your collection and their takeaway would be. You're the the takeaway wouldn't be like, Wow, I'm so glad that someone took the time to find this stuff and put it on display and allow people to come look at it. But instead, their takeaway would be like, This is a weird dude. And as, and you were explaining to me that you're a lot of other things too that are weird. Well, yeah, but I thought you, (laughs) when you did it, I thought you do the old, I'm a husband and a father, but you did. No, I'm a tell us.
1: <laughs> I have a four ton, 400 ton rock collection
0: <laughs> I've planted. <laughs> that you hauled in your pickup?
1: That I've hauled in my pickup and loaded a stone at a time. Uh, I walk the headwaters trail system here. I've walked uh, getting close to 21,000 miles. My goal is to walk 25,000 miles, and that will take me around the earth. I've, uh, ridden an exercise bike, and never left my uh, bedroom, and I rode it around the world
2: twice, 50,000 miles. <laughs> Do you keep track of the miles that you put in um, picking up shed antlers?
1: It's in my journal. yes. I keep track of the hour. Well, not really the miles. I keep track of the hours that I've spent.
0: Roughly how many have you logged?
1: i have never added them up
0: you don't have any guess?
1: thousands i'm sure oh yeah not really
0: what uh i get the sense from you talking to you like because you know well let me ask you this first how many people come in and say the things i was saying about fire systems and insurance and alarms
1: i've had people <laughs> ask about the alarms You're the first one on the fire system, (laughs) but I've had others on uh, insurance, but I've had people come in and look around and say, oh my God, all those dead animals. Did you kill all these animals? (laughs) And I say, no. And then I explain about finding them and everything dies. And I said, the wonderful thing about shed hunting is you can be anti-hunting, you can be vegetarian. And you can still
0: be a shed hunter
1: be a shed hunter.
3: What percentage of people show up here that have no background in hunting or deer or elk, like don't know anything about these animals?
1: I would say 25% or so. You
0: get a lot of Germans in here.
1: Uh, <laughs> it just seems what like a prompted that question? It just <laughs> seems
0: like a place that German <laughs> tourists would show up at. They got a whole thing about the West and like Americana. Weirdly, you lie Germans.
1: Nah, probably not anymore. I had a Chinese guy that come down from Canada, and he'd been he works in in Canada, but he was from China. Come down, brought me a big bouquet of flowers. Huh. I've had uh,
6: a lady come,
1: and she might no, she was from the coast. Bought me a brought me a chunk of salmon. Uh, I've had things like that over the years. What I was
0: going to get at about the insurance thing and the fire thing, after spending a couple hours with you, I feel as though if, let's just say it did, like it was just, you woke up one day and it was gone. I feel like you wouldn't even, like I don't, I feel like you just would go about your business.
1: Well, I would. I'd be sad. (laughs) And to tell you the truth, about twice a year or three times a year, I have a dream that I go out there and part of the antlers are gone. Somebody stripped the walls and hauled them off. And I've had antlers stole from me before I had, uh, I had a shed over here where I had that. That's before I had the, built this shed. And I had 28 uh, elk sets. Two of them were Boone and Crockett that were stole.
0: Really? They should pass a special law <laughs> that if anyone ever messes with any of this stuff, it's automatic <laughs> capital punishment.
1: Well, it was interesting. (laughs) Like a
0: special law applicable to this property.
1: (laughs) The odd thing about the, when they stole the antlers, there was a lot of it going on because that's when the prices first started going up. So there was a lot of it going on. So the cops come to me and they said, would you donate some antlers for a sting operation? And I said, no problem. And this went on for a couple of months and uh, nobody ever, they put them somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, they finally brought them back to me. But they never found the guy that stole, the people that stole mine. So my brother was in California. My brother comes back from California and he, he knows that these antlers have been stolen. And he says, I'll find out. He went uptown to the bar and three hours later, he come back and told me the three guys that stole them. <laughs>
0: Did you get them back?
1: <laughs> no, but we paid him a visit.
0: But they were gone already. They sold them.
1: Oh, they'd been gone. They had, they had already made it to Korea. Really? Sold him to a buyer and gardener.
0: My brother. I, I have a,
1: uh, okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Uh. My brother. This doesn't rival your collection, but he had a spruce tree in his yard that he was he liked to wrap antlers around. Hmm. And one day he comes home, they're just gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. And another buddy had a moose head, moose antlers, skull hanging above his garage door. Same time period. Ripped it off. You know.
2: Yeah, G- Jim. Um. You're 72 now. You told us earlier. Was there a time in your antler collecting um, life and career when the collection was more valuable to you to you personally, like where you would have been and had more sorrow had it be stolen or burned up or anything?
1: No, because I don't work that way. I don't. I don't live in fear. It's not like I'm brave or anything, but I just don't look at things that way. I mean. I've got enough else- i mean I've been so fortunate in my life uh with my three daughters uh with the worthless son in laws with the grandkids <laughs> oh. i mean i I really have and uh so no i i just i don't look at life that way
2: but do you look at them just like they're material things, yeah maybe you shouldn't really just place that much value on material things, yeah
1: in a way yeah Nobody's offered to steal the rocks. I haven't had any problem. With <laughs> <laughs> Not one.
6: When we were in the shed, you'd mentioned that hunting antler hunting saved your life. Yes. What was that story?
1: Okay, I was. Uh, I knew I had a heart murmur, and actually, it kept. Oh, me... I was
0: going to ask you about that. You got a big scar running down your chest there. Yeah, I'm
1: yeah. a uh, member of the Zipper Club. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean that's what they call it. Anyway, I was—I uh, knew I had a heart murmur. In fact, it kept me out of the Vietnam War. I flunked my draft, and uh, but I played football in high school and things like that. But anyway, I was actually in the hills just north of town here, and I was down in the bottom of the canyon. I was looking for sheds, and I had a good day, and I started up out of that canyon, and and I knew my wife, and this is before. I didn't have a cell phone. I knew I, she'd be worried because it was late. Uh, and I was trying to, and I, man, I just, I couldn't. I'd go for a ways and I'd just drop, and I kept, finally I made it to the truck. And I got home and pulled into the garage there and, and opened the door and literally fell out of the truck. I mean, I, and she came out running out there, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I just, I have got no energy. Well, my brother and I had a shed hunting expedition planned to go back to Colorado, the two of us. And it was about a week away. So I thought, I'm gonna go into the I think I got some kind of an pneumonia. <laughs> so I'm gonna go and get a physical. So I went into the doctor and got a physical and and she says, I want to take an x-ray of your heart. I said, Fine. So I went in there and uh she come out a few minutes later and she says, that's the biggest heart I've ever seen.
0: You're like, oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> and, and so being the smart ass, I said, I'm a big hearted guy. And she didn't think that was funny at all. <laughs> Not, Not even a little bit. And she said, no. She said, There's, so she sent me to the specialist in Bozeman. Uh, he said, your aorta is uh, letting blood back in your heart. He said, you're your aor or the valve is he says your aorta is aneurized he said it should be about this uh I think three something and he says yours is seven and it should it could burst at any minute so I had open heart surgery two weeks later and uh, in that time between my having the heart surgery I wanted to walk the trail and nobody would let me
0: you had to take some time off. Cut into your mileage count.
1: Cut into my mileage count, and within, I was in the hospital for five days. Two days after I got a ho- out of the hospital, I walked the trail five miles. A week later, I was back up to six miles.
0: You can go further with Can-Am. I'm telling you, man, I don't care if you're hunting on a farm, hunting on a ranch, hunting out on public, cruising up and down the beach down in Baja, out in the desert in Sonora where we hunt coos deer. Riding in a Can-Am is just funner than riding a vehicle. Everything about it's better. And you can check these two models out, the Defender. This is the undefeatable workhorse from Can-Am. Because like you, it never quits in the face of the toughest work. And it's got HVAC, which keeps you protected from the elements and you enjoy the perfect temperature when it's freezing cold or real hot. Heavy-duty Rotax engine with a class-leading 69-pound-feet of torque. And check this out, up to 2,500 pounds towing capacity. The Outlander 500 or 700, this is an all-capable workhorse, nothing you can't overcome. HD5, HD7 engines that power through any job. Engineered with the strength, features, and build, to never let you down so you're getting reliability and a quality build ready for any job with 125 accessory options. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online, visit canamoffroad.com slash hunting. Hey, heads up all you anglers. Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in Montana, based in Helena. After building custom fly rods for more than 25 years... Montana native and lifelong fly fisherman Scott Joyner decided to apply his knowledge in designing three performance-driven fly rod models. These rods were designed to be performance rods and to withstand the abuse that a fishing guide's equipment endures day in, day out. Their fly rods are named after Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks fishing access sites, which is such a cool idea. And each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Montana Casting Company fly rods have been developed to achieve the perfect balance of performance, durability, and legacy quality craftsmanship. Head to montanacastingco.com and use code MEATEATER20 at checkout for a one-time 20% off discount. This show is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors, big ones, little ones. When you keep these things bottled up, it can start to affect you in a very negative way. Well, therapy is a great space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down, like figure it out. That means figure it out with someone who's impartial, who's able to sit down and hear what you have to say and think it through with you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. To get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, there's no there's no such thing. It's like you're not so tough. You're not so tough that it doesn't do you some good to talk to somebody now and then about what's on your mind, okay? Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MeatEater today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MeatEater What year did you go out and and deliberately pick up your first antler?
1: 1958. How old were you? 10.
0: At what point did you say, I'm going to collect these antlers?
1: Mm, I don't think I've said that yet. I mean, really. Uh, I went out and I found one and I drug it down to the trailer uh the next day I went out, of course I'm ten years old. I mean these are elk horns. I found another old white horn not too far from the trailer, drug it down to the trailer, and my father informed me right then he wasn't packing these damn things home.
0: Oh, this is like a like a camp you guys had or a yeah, ca- cabin type trailer. Up there at, yeah.
1: So I didn't
0: Do you still have those antlers?
1: No. I'm sure I traded them. I mean I had two huge archways out here at the end of this driveway. Uh, I had a huge archway in our cabin that was up the Gallatin. Uh, I had a huge mound in the backyard of where my parents lived. And what I've done is traded most of the old elk horns for deer horns and sets and some of the freak stuff.
0: Yeah. So the I see what you're saying, that you never like started a collection because you kind of moved them all around.
1: I built things out of them. I built – but the sets, and I don't know why, why – but my dad had an old shed on our property, and the sets I kept inside. Uh, the sheds I built the huge column. I took Elkhorn, set the burrs on the ground, tipped them in, wired them together, did that a second time, and I went on top of that and did it again, and went on top of that and did it again. It was probably, oh, 15 feet tall.
0: So how, how? But how do you know that you had? Like, how do you know that there are that you have sixteen thousand antlers?
1: Because I keep track of every one of them.
0: Well, how many don't you have that you could the, have had if you kept them all?
1: The seven hundred fresh elk that I sold to put help put the daughters through college, and the fifteen hundred deer. I don't count them in my collection because I don't have them. So that's another what twenty two hundred antlers with. What's, close to. 18500 or something.
0: And you've never bought one? You've never like pulled I, your wallet out nope, and bought an antler?
1: Nope. Never. Have you ever had an antler
0: you really wanted? Oh, but-
1: Lord. <laughs> 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 You're talking like there was only one? No. There's a lot of them.
0: That you wanted bad, but it broke your principles. But,
1: well, and to get along with my wife. Yeah, but after a while, it became the fact, especially after antlers got worth a lot, is that right? How do you say that? No, you're yeah. worth a lot of money, uh, and I saw people buying antlers to form a collection or to whatever. That's when I really set in thought. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not. I'll trade antler for antler. You know, I'll trade some of my fresh elk for a freakish deer or set or something like that. But I won't buy them. And I go to the antler auction. Not this year, but I go to the antler auction at jackson hole every year and uh, i get a bid sheet because i want to keep track of all the bids and how much antlers are worth i go through the line on the side streets where they're selling all their antlers and those guys know me and they, they know they're i'm just there to fondle their antlers i'm not going to buy anything
3: you express that like all these antlers uh they're just material things you try not to put too much value on them so then like, how how would you react? What would your attitude be towards someone asking you for your shed hunting spots if they weren't going to go sell them? They just wanted to, like, appreciate them and put them on their wall?
1: Tell them to take a freaking hike.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I tell people. I says, you know, they say, uh, talking about the spots to look for sheds, I says, uh, you can go anywhere I don't go. You
0: said you'll sometimes get somewhere and you don't see something, but you feel that you should and you wait and all of a sudden then you see it.
1: I've had that where I've walked into the woods or walked into an area and it just hits me that there's something here I'm not seeing. And I don't know if my eyes pick it up and that I'm not a real bright guy, so if it makes it to my brain or not. And I pause and I take the extra time to look, and a lot of times I'll find an antler. But there are times that I haven't found.
0: What do you feel is not bright about you?
1: Oh, dyslectic. I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. I've written two books. Uh, I do a lot of writing. Can't spell for shit.
0: I I don't know if that would be. (laughs) I don't think that I would then say you're not that bright.
1: I always had a hard time in school. Uh, I barely got out of high school. Uh, I had a football scholarship offered to me. At Boise State, I tell people Boise State, they get real excited. But at the time, it was a two-year college. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but don't you feel rather than brightness, it's probably like um,
1: dumbass luck. Yeah.
0: No, I think it's probably that it's your brain's not malleable at all. You don't you you don't get with the program. You know what I mean? Like my brother and, and my I think my brother and my sister-in-law, they don't they never got with the program because they had a where they're headed is so like definite right it's so strong oh. and definite that you can't veer it but yeah, it's it going be. somewhere it's not like you're stagnant it's not like your brain just sits there and then it can't be pushed so it's just it doesn't go anywhere but you can't channel it either it's just that it's going and no one's gonna bump it to the way it's supposed to go so yeah, it just could, goes
1: could be well yeah. and that could be what the hell else would it be
0: <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a br- there's a brilliance right but no one's gonna move it left or right. And right. most of us get most of us get steered
1: I don't get, we get with the prog-
0: Yeah. We get with the program, like whatever the program we're supposed to get with is. It's yeah. like, oh, I get it, you're supposed to have a nice house. Got it. <laughs> we're more like sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah right. You're like, we're, Oh, degrees are cool. I'm on it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> we're not our own. <laughs> I'll
0: turn that direction. I'll get a whole shitload of degrees. <laughs> we're not our
6: own trailblazers. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're not, we're not finding the things that we want to find. We're kind of Following some program because it's been
4: yeah you're like, preordained please, or
6: please
2: tell me what to do. I think a lot of people Jim, it's complicated, but I believe he's uh, paying you a compliment. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to get that. It's a long road to get there.
1: <laughs> no, I'm extremely focused. If that's what you mean, I mean when I'm out antler hunting, that's my focus. I don't listen to music. I don't. I enjoy my surroundings, I guess. But uh, when I'm doing the rock work. That's where my focus is. I mean, I'm, and I love that.
6: I mean, you're a creative artist. If anyone comes here and sees what you've put together and designed your writing, I mean.
1: I've heard that, but to me, I don't see that.
0: You don't think of yourself as an artist? No. That's probably pretty helpful people that do oh.
4: <laughs> like
0: when i when that's when i hear when that's the first thing i hear out of someone's mouth i'm like oh i bet not <laughs> i'm sure you'd like to be <laughs> do you have a, a sort of internal compass like a like a ethos or a life philosophy that you use to check your behavior
1: i'm an introvert and so like the pandemic don't even know what's going on because I've always been isolated that way. Introvert. Uh-huh. Uh
0: Like how many days could you go without talking to anybody besides your wife before you felt like something was screwy?
1: I don't think it'd be days. I think it'd be months. Uh huh. I mean, I've, I talked to my dog.
0: Do you but, get along well with your wife?
1: Well, we've been married for 52 years and she had thrown my ass out yet. So I'm saying yeah. yes. And I've given reason to. <laughs> I've been extremely, extremely fortunate that way she puts up with. with uh, but then we do a lot of things together. Uh-huh. Uh, I told you about the rock work up at the cabin. Uh, what she does and we do together is on the south side, we have 19 acres, and uh, we clear sagebrush. I mean, we'll spend a half a summer clearing all the sagebrush. On the north side, where the timber is, we trim the trees.
0: For what reason?
1: Because we enjoy the work. See, I used to apologize because uh, I didn't bowl. I didn't. Go- I did golf for a while. Uh, yeah. There were things like that. <laughs> I love that. The,
0: that is an upsetting <laughs> thought.
1: I love the <laughs> you actually, doing that. <laughs> actually,
0: you live on a golf course.
1: <laughs> I when I started golfing, I got about a seven handicap. I was doing really good. In one year, we won the club championship. That was 15 years ago, and I haven't golfed since because I went out on top.
0: Spencer here, he likes to swing the old club. What do you Is guys what, what kind of euphemisms do you guys have for golfing?
2: What's your handicap, uh, Spence? Like,
0: like tickling the oh, ivories for piano. I'm not even good enough to know my own handicap. <laughs> uh Spencer, I once put it to uh there's a guy I knew, he was like it'd be like hearing it gym golfs, so like it doesn't fit. And this guy was a lion hunter and it just didn't fit that he golfed. I'm like, how could you like golfing? Like you can't be a lion hunter who golfs. It's like I want you you do like the coolest thing in the world that takes so much energy and focus and and like intelligence and he goes man you gotta golf all the time just to be shitty (laughs) (laughs)
4: that's right that's true
2: (laughs) that's true what are some of the bigger changes you've seen in the whole horn picking shed hunting activity world lifestyle whatever you want to call it over the course of 50 years that's a good question weeds huh that's the weeds in the mountains
1: Weeds in the mountains. Oh. There's places I go that uh, there was never any Canadian thistle. There was never any mullen. There was never any
6: uh, right nap weed. Uh,
0: nap I didn't even weed. know. I didn't know that mullen was a non-native.
1: Well, in Madison County, it's a noxious weed. Oh, Gallatin County, it isn't. I hate it just for its arrogance. Does that make sense?
0: Because it shoots up that big stalk.
1: Yeah. Kids yep. like
0: to throw it like a spear. I can tell you that. When Yanni was asking that question, what I was thinking that that where I thought you would go with it is um, that when you picked up your first antler, people probably didn't, picking antlers wasn't probably a thing.
1: Nobody picked up antlers. Like I said, I'm the weird kid in high school that everybody has fast cars and girlfriends and I was up in the freaking hills tromping around looking for antlers.
0: You were cool before it was cool.
1: Well, yeah, it wasn't cool then, I can tell you that.
0: Now, when it became a thing, as the popularity of antler picking, antler hunting has grown, has it made you um, like it less, like it more, or you're just like you're in your own world, it doesn't matter? The sort of cachet of it doesn't matter.
1: I mean, it doesn't matter in the, in the fact that there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, it, I get hit over the head from my wife all the time. It's progress. And so I, there's an, if, I, if I could control it, I would more than likely like to. But I can't control it, so no. I,
0: you just got to let it go.
1: You got to let it go. And Probably one of my worst experiences, uh, that's when I was in the porcupine area a lot, and I'd find a lot of sheds. When I went in there and I found a camp, and that's go, those guys were in there looking for antlers for the money. And I found where they had camped and the stuff they discarded. And, and uh, that's when I realized, man, this has all changed because the money has taken over and it's not for the joy of finding antlers or anything like that. It's, it's for the money. And college kids out of Bozeman, hell, I didn't uh, blame them for going out looking for antlers. I mean, you could find a 10 pound elkhorn, then it was worth five bucks a pound, that's 50 bucks. You know, a lot of those guys were out in the hills looking for for the money.
6: Mm-hmm. Is that part of your kind of mark of pride that that you won't have spent a, a dollar on on an antler for your collection? In a way, and
1: the other thing is is there's a handle on the inside of that big door, and that's the only thing I've ever made out of an antler. <laughs> I don't like to see <laughs> I don't like to see them cut up. Chandeliers are a wonderful thing, but you go to Famous Dave's. You see all them fancy and chandeliers, they're all rosin. They're not. Yeah,
0: red. so I just made my kids three uh, for Easter. I made them three custom uh, meal deer antlered uh, marshmallow sticks. Oh, good for you. You wouldn't. You would like. You wouldn't like <laughs> something like that.
1: No. No. Just, you just depressed just, him, Steve. <laughs> and my birthday's in a month, and no, thank you.
0: <laughs> i went i went down to the hardware store and bought some rod drilled them out epoxied yeah. them in there
1: i'm sure yes they are <laughs> i mean i've seen some beautiful especially when they take the moose sheds and do those intricate designs yeah yeah. yeah yeah i mean i've seen some beautiful stuff uh i don't have an antler elkhorn buckle you yeah. know for your your belt and
0: the, i just don't like to see them cut i don't out.
1: like to see them cut up um
0: Give some antler hunting tips, like a hot tip.
1: Patience and perseverance. You can go anywhere in the state of Montana where it's legal and find an antler. It might be a whitetail, it might be a mule deer, it might be an antelope, it might be a elk. But literally, if you're looking, and I always look, I when I walk I, I memorize the distance in front of me for about 10 feet. I memorize that as I, wa- as I look ahead, and then I'm always looking to the side. Because
0: you got your foot placements right. sort of subconsciously picked out.
1: And I'll do that going across the city park, and I'll do that going across the football field. Because years ago when I started, I remember I was going up through a big open meadow, and I was looking for antlers everywhere and fell flat on my face, and tripped over a brush head five point So now I study the ground and then I memorize it and then I look to the sides as I go.
0: I'm always torn um, as a person interested in antlers and artifacts and old bones and whatnot, but also interested in spot and game. I'm always torn because there's like two kinds of people, three kinds. It's people that don't see anything. <laughs> And then there's like your <laughs> far lookers and close lookers. And I'm very torn between being a far looker and a close, close. looker.
1: <laughs> you know? it's like... See, hunting, I love to uh, mule deer hunt, but I don't even know if I'd shoot one anymore. I never liked to elk hunt, but we lived on elk, so I always hunted them. But the animal, I guess, is not that important to me. I mean, like anybody, I like to see a huge bull or a huge buck or whatever. And I love to see the animals in the yard and all that. But uh, I guess my reverence is for the antler, not for the animal. Hmm.
6: What does it represent for you?
1: I guess on the antler, especially like on elk horns, the energy that it takes to grow it to me is I mean, I don't think anybody can even appreciate when they see a 16-pound Elkhorn and he's got a 16-pound one on the other side, and he grew that in five and a half months after coming out of a winter that he freaking near starved to death in, after coming out of a rut that he was exhausted doing. I mean, to me, it's just utterly amazing. I can understand why an old elk's nine years old and dead.
0: Taxing life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just got to be a rat race all the time. I mean, just, and then to, I can't imagine the amount of nutrition or energy to grow. I mean, to be like you and me growing two legs in five and a half months every year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing.
0: A thing you said earlier that, that I thought was interesting is I asked you why, like the big why, right? Like why in the hell would you, I mean, not, we're, we're focused on, we're focused on in our conversation, we're focused on finding them. But to me, the the energy put into the display you've built, oh, which is which is like, I, I would regard it as, um, this is going to sound hype, hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. I would regard it as sort of like one of the, most like, kind of staggering, um like pieces of art I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I'm not joking.
1: No, but what's funny about that, and I think I have one of the guy's book. But there was a guy from Bozeman that wrote a book about all the oddities in Montana. I mean, I can't even remember some of it, but there were all kinds of oddities that he went around the state and wrote a book.
0: Yeah, but I'm not comfortable okay. calling it an oddity.
1: But then he wrote a second book and went around the state and found, you know, I'm not in either one of
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? It's not an oddity. Like, I think an oddity, it's got a lot of oddities in it, but I think as its thing, as its thing, anybody anybody with with sort of a um, any art historian or anyone, um, people who are interested in sculpture or whatever, anyone would come in and be like I, I get it it's got all these constituent parts as a whole it is a a, a man's lifelong like a a, a a creative piece it is a piece of art that was produced over a long period of time it is a piece of installation art
1: and i've had a few people that's recognized that
0: so when i asked you like the big why it's funny that you um are self-aware enough or whatever where you said it's a compulsion, and yeah. that you don't dress up the compulsion as something else. That You just recognize it like you have a compulsion. Yes. I like stuff to be neat in my house, and I've only recently begun to say, uh, organize, you know? Yeah. I've recently been to say, like, yes, I recognize it as a problem, but it's not one I care to fix, and I would like the people around me to conform to it.
1: Well, that's why my wife and I get along so well, is the only antlers you'll find in this house are those and I had to build this room on for that <laughs> <laughs> there, there are no antlers in that part of the house
3: do you look at other people with extreme collections and find them weird like if somebody collected uh, sports cards or shot glasses or vinyl records like would you get it or would you be oh, like I that's think, that's strange
1: no I would I would I mean I look at it as everybody collects something I mean <laughs> My wife collects Daniel Steele books.
4: Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have a bulldog uh, collection that we've put together ourselves. But everybody collects something.
0: So, are you? Um, would you go out of your way to go see a um, shot glass collection? No. So you don't like collections for the sake of collections.
1: I had an aunt, and that's where I get my collecting from, who collected rocks. Uh, she collected uh, Kleenex boxes she collected all kinds of things she had them have in fact i've got it she's got a matchbooks collection that i've put in a 55 gallon drum and filled it so she but she never took care of her collections she had an elephant she never
0: ne- enshrined them <laughs> no she,
1: yeah, i guess she could say that. <laughs> she had an elephant collection uh, probably had 500 different kinds of elephants uh, figurines and stuff like that. Uh, most of them were broken. And I guess that's where I make sure I take care of my collection.
6: But I think there's something to be said for walking tens of thousands of miles on trails and just being oh, no. out in the...
1: I'll correct you there. Uh, I don't go any freaking trail.
6: Oh, sorry. I'm <laughs> separating. The trail The system, trail's right, here. No, right. No, go no. Going to the woods. Yeah. No, when yep.
1: I go out in the woods, I don't follow any trails. Right.
0: You just bushwhack.
1: I just zigzag. (laughs) I cover an area. I don't I might get on a deer trail or something a little bit, but I don't I don't do
6: trails. But there's something to be said for going into the woods and being out in the middle of nowhere and collecting, working to collect your to amass your collection.
1: And the the other thing that I'm thankful in a way for my wife is receptive to is I've always gone alone. And that was long before there were cell phones or anything like that. I mean, and... uh,
2: Do you still now travel and look for sheds in in Grizz country alone?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had a couple of Grizz encounters that were extremely scary. But I was never... I guess I can tell you one of them. I was, and this was up in the Gallatin again. I've got a really nice huge pack of Alcorns. I probably got 15 or 20 on my pack, and I'm coming out. But that's not enough. There's one little spot in there where I wanted to go up, and there was kind of a pocket back in there, and I wanted to go in and check it out, see if there was anything there. So I got this big old pack on my back, and I'm going through these, trees and I get back into this spot and there's a spot pretty near as big as this room that looks like somebody raked it with a garden rake. And right in the center is a cow elk head. And I think to myself, (laughs) that's a grizzly cache. So I took off and I headed down out and I had to go across the creek. And the creek was high and really flowing. But there was these three logs. So I get up on the logs and the water's kind of splashing up on the bottom one i get up on the logs and i hear the grizzly roar so i turn around to look and i'm kind of walking backwards and i slip and i fall backwards with the pack on my back oh between the two logs and i'm pinned there i mean i can't the straps are i can't move And I hear him roar again, and he's closer. He's coming. He's following me. And I lay there, and this is a God's honest truth. I cried because I knew he was coming up on, and I was was dead. There was nothing I could do. And I was laying there, and I laid there, and I laid there, and nothing happened, (laughs) and nothing happened. And finally, I noticed that I had my hunting knife on my in a scabbard, and I could get it with the two fingers. And I could, when I got it out, I could cut that one strap. So then I freed myself. And I got, and I still never heard the bear. So then a normal person (laughs) would have just headed out of the country. Not me, I packed the horns on across the creek, fixed the strap, put the pack back on, And headed out.
2: (laughs) Wow. I don't think I've heard the roar of a grizzly. Yeah.
1: Oh, Lord. Like the Just. (laughs) And you could tell that.
0: Do the noise. I can't do the noise. Let's do an approximation of the noise.
1: I'll tell you what's scarier (laughs) than that is mountain lion. And I've had them follow me and heard them. I was, this was when I was a kid. I was up Dry Creek out of Townsend. And I was fishing, and I was so concentrated on my fishing, I didn't even know it got dark and the moon come up. My parents, they were just going nuts. They were driving up and down the road, a-hollering, and I could hear this one mountain lion on one side screaming and a mountain lion on the other side screaming above me. And your
0: mom screaming. And my my." mother was screaming.
1: (laughs) And then I've had mountain lion where I've known they're tracking me, where they're following me, but they've never... I've only ever seen two or three in my lifetime. So
0: Mm -hmm. you can go a long time between seeing them.
1: Yeah. And then it's usually just a flash.
2: Any other follow up questions? I got mine answered. Kind of concluding by backtracking, but
5: it kind of, there's like, there's a magic in that room that pictures just don't, they just don't do it justice. And you can call it art or OCD. And I think it's art by way of OCD. Um, But, going back Steve always likes to say that there's two t- two types of people or three types of people I sent a picture to my wife
0: there's the there, there there's people who think you can put everybody into two exact
5: <laughs> <laughs> I sent a picture of the room to my wife and uh she said that's crazy is that even insurable
4: <laughs> <laughs> so that was her first thought
5: and I uh, I think you're one type of person and she's the other and I uh it's uh I think it's it's impressive and it's 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 magical
0: yeah do you imagine, um, at this point you're 72, do you imagine?
1: Well, I'll be, I got to make it there yet. It's Bill almost July. 72. Yeah.
0: Are you, um, do you imagine now, like you've kind of, you you wrapped it up? No. Oh, okay.
1: No, because I still enjoy doing it. Uh, like I said, I'm a little slower now. I'm going to try to be in a lot better shape and I'll go with some in the fall. Uh, be in a lot better shape next spring and get out and try to cover more country
0: so you think there's horn to be picked out there right now oh
1: yes yes
0: just waiting for the fall
1: yes when it's all laying grass, there when the green grass when the first frost comes and knocks the grass down and the rattlesnakes will go off and do their business and leave me alone then i'll
0: go out and pick it all up
1: yep or i'll at least go around and look for some rattlesnakes are probably my biggest concern more so than grizzly bears or why them because they bite but
0: <laughs> <I mean, laughs> are, are you running into that many of them oh yeah you know why you, you know why you're running into a lot because you probably got good eyes for seeing stuff and you see them or other people don't see them
1: and I'm in the and I don't bother them I don't kill them
0: the other day I had my daughter, my, my so my seven-year-old and my five-year-old, he might not have been five. No, they were both seven and five. And I was messing around and they were messing around. And they come running up about a little snake they found, a little snake in a little hole in the rocks. And this thing was like a rattlesnake, like the <laughs> size of your wrist <laughs> curled up in there. They said it was a little black and white one. And I looked at it I was like, nothing little, <laughs> nothing black and white.
1: <laughs> my oldest daughter tells the story that I was fishing down on the Missouri, and my and the kids were little, and my wife had them all spread out on a blanket, and I was fishing along the bank, and I scared this rattlesnake up, and he come up over the blanket, and she grabbed a kid in each hand and took off. Well, there was still one on the blanket because we had three kids. Says, "Mom left me."
3: This uh, this is. Like, in my house, I put my coolest things, my coolest fossils, antlers, uh, pieces of petrified wood, like, on my fireplace mantel and, and my bookshelf and office desk, stuff like that. This has made me feel wildly inadequate. <laughs> like, there are thousands and thousands of things here, like, literally thousands, that would trump the coolest things that I have. Mm-hmm. So this is just like a, a wildly special place.
0: I did find myself think, feeling a little masculated yeah. about my uh pile of cool things. Yep. <laughs> like I look now I'm like what's the point? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> See that's the object of the shed is and that's why things are displayed because I'd seen so many piles in a in a uh, g- corner of a garage or somebody's yard or whatever. So I wanted to make the effort to display them.
5: Well, yeah, and it's not I just the overwhelming enjoy. amount of antlers in there, which in of itself is powerful. But it's the, yeah, it's the way that you have the, the, the symmetry that doesn't even really reveal itself. But you can kind of
1: oh, there's feel a lot it of when you're patterns. in there. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of patterns. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, Spencer, know, I keep forgetting to tell you. Um, Doug Dern was listening to a previous episode, and he was half listening, and he heard about rock picking. Oh yeah. he, And he thought we were talking about going out into a farm field and gathering up the rocks, and he was very supportive of the conversation <laughs> yep. and was happy to hear that that was your, the, your background of rock picking and then was dismayed to learn that you were doing recreational rock hounding. And he was like, never, ever, ever confuse rock picking with rock hounding. <laughs> Is this another another cut corn situation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Jim, uh, thank you very much for your time, man. This has been a great tour. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Thanks I so enjoyed your company, and that's the idea of the Horn shed house, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is people to come and enjoy it. And when we're home, if we're not up at our uh, cabin and stuff, when we're here uh, and people get in touch with me, then I'm more than happy to take them through the collection.
2: And how do you want to tell people now over the air how to get in touch with you? Or should they just Google you?
1: They can Google me. Uh, you if... might
2: get a few.
6: He's got a website. What's your website address?
1: Antlerman.com. Okay. Just go to antlerman.com and uh, get a hold of me email from there.
0: You know what my new life goal is? I'm going to find some kind of antler <laughs> and I'm going to bring it over here and you're going to beg me for it <laughs> and then I'll give it to you okay <laughs> but I don't know I... What, I don't know what it's going to be but I'm going to find <laughs> some thing it's going to be something. it's going to be an antler like with a grown around a human skull or something
1: I like to fondle them <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're going to be like you're going to br- try to break your rule to buy it and I'll just be like you can just have it Jim <laughs> okay thank you very much
1: yes thank you
0: In every pair of Takova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers. And with occasional resoling, they're going to last you a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile and lots of help. You got to go. Visit Tecovas. You go to tacovas.com That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You and get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart & Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.